0: Badard Patriots podcast with Nick Caddles. Oh yes, this is week one, baby. Football season is back. It is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, brought to you by BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book for over 25 years, and Legends, a premium athletic apparel built for the modern athlete owned by some of your favorite athletes, including number 55 himself, Willie McGinnis. And I got my legend stuff today in the mail. We'll talk about it a little bit later. This is some sweet, sweet stuff. Greg, Patriots season, it all begins. Let's first start with the biggest story, obviously over the past couple of weeks will be the biggest story, I think, the entire season. That is Mac Jones. You took a look in three parts at bsj.com this week, and you figured out, why Mac was the decision that Bill Belichick made.
1: Yeah. Um, so what happened was I came across the, uh, through a leak source, I came across the the All-22 Coaches film from the preseason. This is not available on NFL Game Pass. It is during the regular season. During the preseason, I don't know. They just like to be jerks to us. They don't. They don't make it available to the media. And so you have to go begging for it. And I was able to get the three games because I – I needed more information on what's going on in the quarterbacks. I needed to see the routes. I needed to see the defense. I needed to watch it 50 times each play, and so I did that. And so I have I have graded every throw. I timed every drop back and 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 uh, time to snap to throw. And uh, overall, the big thing is that uh, you know Mac Jones clearly graded out as the better quarterback. Uh, he had. When, when you broke it down into basically, look, you know, two and a half out of five was sort of the mid-range for me. So I looked at, all right, well, what's the percentage of the passes that are below average? And, you know, Cam Newton clearly had the higher percentage of, of passes that were graded below average. Uh, so he had for the three games, 52.4%, 11 of his 22 dropbacks to me, were below average in terms of either delivering the ball. Most of it was timing issues. Some of it reads or adjusting the pressure. Mac Jones, conversely, just 11 of 64 dropbacks. 17.2% were below average to me. This was a, you could see this when you're watching the films, and I went one, two, and three. It, this is this is sort of the takeaway that I had after the first game that like and, and it doesn't play out exactly. We'll get to the above average plays in a second, but when you watched it the first game, you're like, okay, well they're both in the same area on how how many highly graded throws they have, but the big disparity was what's the floor for each guy, right? You know, basically how many poor throws or poor decisions do they have, and and Mac was ahead in all three games from the get-go. That continued in terms of uh, really good plays, passes graded above average. Cam Newton, 6 of 21, that's 28.6%. Mac Jones, 27 of 64, 42%. So to me, overall, those numbers make it clear, but there was also there was one play in particular that stood out.
0: Yeah, I don't want to get to that play just yet because I want to highlight yep. what you just said. I mean, in in layman's terms, right, you push aside the numbers. Really what you just told us, Greg, is when Cam Newton dropped back in the pocket, it was a flip of the coin, whether he was going to be able to see things the right way and make the right play. It was a flip of the coin for him. Belichick and Josh McDaniels could stand on the sidelines and say, all right, heads up, it's tails. Cam's going to screw us. And when you look at Mac, when you talk about floor, You're talking 80%-ish of the time. When he drops back, you feel like he's going to make at least the smart play, if not the perfect play. So I just wanted to highlight that, to to really tell people, you know, what Belichick and McDaniels and the coaching staff, what they were looking at was a 50-50 proposition with Cam. And with Mac, Mm -hmm. it wasn't 50-50. It's it's a great point, Nick, and I'll even go further. I mean, when you look at the
1: numbers – when Cam Newton dropped back to pass, and this is just the preseason, so you know, take it for what it's worth. You know, half the time he was going to make a poor play, 52.4% of the time. That's that's on his drop box half the time he was gonna make a poor play. He was going to make a good play, one of out of every three, basically, about 30%. And so that's not a very good percentage. Mac, on the other hand, when he dropped back to pass, it was basically one in five plays would be poor. As far as the good plays, it was one out of every two. So when you look at it that way, that's clearly – and when you talk about the way the Patriots do things and about how they're constructed and with this defense and the special teams and Belichick and McDaniels, clearly a quarterback with the highest higher floor, which keeping them out of bad plays, keeping the chains going, not turning the ball over, making good decisions – that guy obviously is is of higher quality and of higher interest to this team, and you look at it that way, it, it makes it sort of clear why they made
0: their decision. All right, so let's talk about this one play, because I know you found one play that really told the tale of this quarterback competition during the camp we just had. Tell us about the one play and why it stood out to you.
1: Yeah, and this this isn't hyperbole, because I, I was almost the – the guy who invented the, you know, film study and being like, here's the one play that did like, and look, and, and I mean it every time I write it, uh, it's gotten a little bit out of control now, uh, you know, since then, but this, and I wasn't going and looking for this and, uh, look, I've watched all the TV copies of the games. I didn't expect to see this, but it it was clear as clear as day. And to set the scene, it's the Giants game. Cam Newton on his first drive ends in the red zone where basically he's pressured twice and he just throws the ball away on third second and third down. So that's the background. And and I had watching the film, and people will see this at journal.com part of being a member, and you get this throughout the season, sometimes in the off season. Uh, you get me giving you video analysis of the coach's film. And so that, that's what this is. And I broke down those plays. And what I said at the time was, Look, he's year two into the system. We don't have a better solution to, you know, the Giants being in obvious pressure. There's nothing out and there's no check. There's no anything. Now look, I'll give Cam credit. He's come forward to the point where, all right, he knows now that there's probably gonna be pressure on him. He's gonna have to get rid of the ball. He gets rid of the ball. But there's no check. There's no this. There's no that. There's none of that stuff that's built into this offense for a quarterback that can access access those tools. And so, with that as a backdrop, third and four, It's I think there's about nine minutes left in the first half. It's the Giants' starting defense against the Patriots' backups on offense, especially the offensive line behind Mac Jones. It's yep. third and four. So, Mac does a couple things here. And and it surprised the hell out of me when I saw it on the coach's film. Maybe they just cut away before the snap so we didn't see it on the TV copy. Mac, first of all, he does a dummy count where he goes basically like, ready, set, hut. And... Nobody's jumping on offense, but you're hoping to get the defense to show what they might be calling what they might be running on defense. what kind of pressure the Giants do. The safety comes onto the line. Mac now changes the the protection. he also motions the Devon Osseassi and look, I'm just guessing I'm not saying I don't know this happened, but yeah, I've watched a little bit of film. I think this is what happened. He tells Devin Asiasi to stay in the block. He doesn't block the right guy, but that's a separate discussion. So he's changed the protection. Asiasi staying in the block now instead of they were an empty protection, and the Giants were showing seven rushers. So basically it was five on seven, not good odds. So we had Devin Asiasi stay in. Now it's six versus seven. And Mac knows they're going to be one unblocked guy that he's responsible for. He changes Christian Wilkerson's route. He gives him a he he touches his neck while he's looking at him some sort of route adjustment. He looks to the left side and he does the 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 famous like almost like gun with the finger six shooter thing that Tom Brady has done over the years. Yeah. left side. Yeah, yeah, that thing, <laughs> and uh, and so then they go out with the play and Mac here comes a free rusher. Mac gets rid of it. You know, all-out blitz throws the ball deep. It falls incomplete. There's defensive holding. The 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 safety held Christian Wilkerson first down Patriots. But this one play, what Max showed in the first half of his third preseason game, was more than Cam Newton has shown his entire time in terms of accessing the tools that are available to the quarterback in this offense. And that's the whole key to this offense. We talk about that this offense has built-in solutions to basically anything that the defense throws at them that they know is coming. Cam, you know, we saw for a full year, we saw it in this preseason, he's a sitting duck back there. He doesn't make check. He He doesn't do any of those things. Mac Jones did, got the Patriots into a really good play with practice. That's a touchdown and wins them a game or what have you. But to me, once I saw that play, I was like, this is it. This is this is the difference between Mac Jones and Cam Newton. To me, it makes it an open and shut case why Mac Jones is the starting quarterback.
0: It goes back to the first time you talked about Mac Jones. A very similar kind of read of the situation, right? When you saw Mac at the very beginning of this camp versus Cam, Mac he'd point out the mic, but then he'd adjust if there was an adjustment to be made. Mm-hmm. Cam would point out the mic, and then that was pretty much it. And you know, Cam did not show the aptitude as they went forward to improve on that. And what I'm hearing from you is hey listen at, at their ceiling the best of the best plays this preseason they were pretty close. You know, best of the best they mm-hmm. were pretty close. The rest of everything Mac led. And so if you say they're pretty close at the best of the best plays they made and then everything else was a strong lean to Mac and then you think about Greg that Mac is a rookie and Cam is a 2015 MVP who had a full year with the Patriots before Mac got here, it's pretty clear why the decision was made. So Mac is going to be the starting quarterback. Cam is out of town. He releases a video today saying he's going to have stuff to get off of his chest on Friday. Greg, does he have a beef?
1: I think he does, Nick. I I do. And I brought this up on Felger and Maz the other day. Like, look, I understand – the Patriots have to handle things in a certain way in terms of preseason snaps and practice is one thing. And Cam took himself out of four days of practice. So he has no one to blame that, but himself. Uh, I will say that, you know, what also came clear in this preseason is just how many more reps Mac got yeah. than Cam. I mean, at the end of the day, Mac Jones had 107 snaps. I'm going off pro football focus. So they count um, penalties and stuff like that. Um, Cause those plays actually happen. 107 snaps, 67 passes, okay? Or excuse me, 107 snaps, 65 passes. Mac Jones had 38 plays, and I just said it wrong. What am I, an idiot? Let me start over, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> Mac Jones had 107 plays, 65 were passes. Okay. Cam Newton had 38 total plays, not even half max passes. That's not even true. close. And Cam had 21 dropbacks. Look, I understand that Cam's Cam's a veteran. He doesn't need as much work. I understand that Mac Jones is a first-round rookie. He needs to be exposed to things they need to up his reps. Uh, you don't want to expose the veteran to injury. I understand all that. But if you put yourself in Cam Newton's shoes, you know, yes, I know. I understand he didn't have any other options last offseason or this offseason. But he signs with his team. They give him a little bit more money. Bill Belichick says great things about him all the time, says he's a quarterback, what have you. But if Cam Newton was in a competition for his job, then he should have been given every opportunity to win that job, and not just for the Patriots, for the rest of the NFL. Because, Nick, how many times did we talk about, all right, Cam's here, this is it for his career. Like, he's coming back. They made all the excuses possible for him last year. COVID and signing late, no weapons and terrible team and all this. He's coming back. He's going to be better in year two. If he wasn't better in year two, then his NFL career could be over. And that the Patriots didn't give him an opportunity to, you know, at least be equitable, somewhat equitable with the snaps in the preseason to Mac Jones. If I'm Cam Newton, I don't feel good about it. I don't like it. I don't like that the, the Patriots didn't give me, at least give me an opportunity to showcase myself more to the rest of the league. Let me run a couple plays, a couple quarterbacks' draws. Let me show them my legs. So, yeah, I think he has beef. I don't know. Do you think he does, Nick?
0: I mean, it's an interesting point. I mean, the idea of, hey, give me a little bit more of a chance here. And maybe Belichick saw what he needed to see from Cam during practice and joint practices. And I do think no matter what they say, I do think the unvaccinated situation played a role in this. I'm not saying it was the biggest thing, but I do think it was a piece of the puzzle here. And I I think Belichick might have said, hey, I'm going to do what's best for the football team, which he always says, not necessarily what's best for Cam Newton, the individual. And at a certain point, it looks like he said, no, we got to get Mac a lot more snaps and a lot more throws because we think this guy, again, the floor is higher with Mac. So if we're going to do what's right for the football team, We've got to get him ready. We've got to get him prepared, and we're going to give Cam still shots. We're going to, you know, we're going to throw him out there. He's going to get reps with the ones behind the starting offensive line. We're going to give him a chance. But I I do think maybe at some point Belichick realized that this competition was turning into Max the better option, and at that point, okay, we've got to kind of pivot and we've got to give him more of the throws. Now, from Cam's standpoint, yeah, I mean. Again, I think if Belichick did come to that conclusion, it was what was best for the team, which doesn't mean it was best for Cam. And I, I'm certainly mm-hmm. I'm certainly sure that Cam looks back and says, look at the stats, look at how many times I was given an opportunity to throw the football. And it doesn't matter because people will say, well, Nick, he sucked, Greg, he sucked. It doesn't matter if he threw the ball a hundred more times, he would have still stunk. That's not the point. The point is Cam looks back at it and probably says, I was not given as much of an opportunity as I wish I was given, for whatever reason. I don't even know if he cares what the reason is. But He's going to look back and say, yeah, I'm not too happy about that. All right, got to continue to talk about the Patriots, get into this season. But first, Greg Bedard, let's get into BetUS.
1: Listen up, sports bettors. I'm here to tell you about my favorite sport, sports book, and that's BetUS. Football is back. Thank God. Thursday night. Brady, not- Cowboys, love it. Football is back and it's time to get back in the action. I only endorse one sports book, and that's BetUS.com. Why you ask? Because BetUS has been America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. You need a sports book with integrity and then longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, and they do. I was on there the other day. And by the way, Nick, let me first check out the offers. You get up to 20, 200% sign on bonus. Woo! Make sure you put in BSJ when you sign up. 200. So, yeah. So I went through this. Uh, I signed up the other day because I'm like, I'm going to put, you know, my money where my mouth is on some of these bets going forward. So, you know, I went through the process. It was easy. I went on the website. Uh, the, I don't think they have a mobile app, but their, 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 uh, web interface is awesome on the phone. Um, it's basically like an app. I did one of those, save it to the desktop as a bookmark type of thing. So it's yeah. basically like an app. And, uh, it was great. I got my bonus like right away. Uh, I've already placed some bets on the Tampa-Dallas, uh, you know, opener. Um, hoping to, you know, parlay a little bit. I got to learn a little bit more about that stuff. I'm not totally up up on that. <laughs> I know all about straight bets and a little bit and te- teasers and stuff like that. But I just want to tell people it was really easy. Make sure you go to betus.com. Uh, make sure you put in BSJ when you sign up. For a special bonus, that's betus.com where the game begins.
0: All right, so let's jump into some of the things that we feel good about with this football team, some of the things we are maybe worried about or concerned about. First, Greg, uh, we'll go through three things we feel good about. You start with one.
1: The offensive line in general. I mean, I just feel great about that lineup now. Of course, um, I'm crossing my fingers. Of course, I say this now, and Isaiah Win's probably going to get um, – you know, run over by somebody in the opener. And uh, <laughs> and now they're going to have to switch people all over the place. But look, it's Isaiah Wynn's really good. Michael Wynn, who's really good. He had some little difficulty with some pressures. I'll be interested to see if the Dolphins exploit that um in the opener a little bit, struggled a little bit in the Giants game. David Andrews is tremendous. Shaq Mason, great. Trent Brown has been just better the second time around than he was the first. And so I didn't think that was
0: remotely possible. He's a good Trent Brown, not the not the worried, oh, my God, he's as big of a truck. And no. Do a like- he
1: is – he's like Santa Claus Trent Brown. Like, that's how good he is. Like, he's just – he's a leader. He's a. Me- all of a sudden, he's a leader and a mentor. And, like, in Vegas, they couldn't even get him to practice. Here, he's like – I don't know. I think he's picking up, like, some of the coach's kids and driving them to school and stuff. I mean, he just does it all. That's a big ass Santa So. Oof. Uh, big Santa Claus, big van probably they's driving people around But uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, my number one thing That I feel good about is the offensive line
0: I'm with you uh, The next thing that I feel good about is the run game I think this team is going to be able To run the football and run the football Consistently and produce I mean, when you look at that running back room Even with Sonny Michelle going to LA He went to LA because of Remondre Stevenson And when you look at Harris And Stevenson and White and J.J. Taylor, I think you have a great mix of explosion, power, pass receiving. I think this stable of backs to go along with the offensive line, which you hit on, I just think it's going to be very difficult for defenses to slow this run game down week after week after week after week.
1: Yeah, and I'm very mad that I did somebody beat me to the punch for Damian Harris in my fantasy draft. Oh, yeah, me night. Too. It, I, I...
0: Happened. it happened tonight. I'm so pissed.
1: <laughs> so yeah, it uh I thought that was gonna be in my back pocket. I was like, oh well, I can always get Damian Harris. Nobody really knows him as somebody, of course, I'm in a I'm in a fantasy league with a bunch of mass holes. So they they know the deal. I should have known better. But, anyways, uh, I totally agree with you. But number two on my you know, feel good list is I feel really good, and maybe it shouldn't be this high. Maybe it should really be number three, but I feel really good about. Some of the stuff we talked about with Mac Jones, just basically Mac Jones's ability to keep the offense on schedule. I'll put it that way just not turning the ball over, not making stupid decisions, reacting well to pressure, getting them in and out of good plays, uh, and avoiding bad plays like all the little things that people don't really take into account that really is humongous in this in this offense and is really sort of the foundation of this offense I feel good about Mac Jones being able to deliver on that front and that gives the Patriots a a really good I don't want to say advantage because I'm not going to make it out like you know they're they're going to be world beaters this year I don't know if they're going to be but I think
0: he, he gets them in the right direction I feel good about the front seven As bad as I felt about this front seven last year is as good as I feel about this front seven this year. I mean, you look at this defensive line, I think they got the beef in the middle to slow down the run. I've got no problem whatsoever with the edges. Judon's been a stud. Uche looks like he's going to be a stud. Uh, Van Noy might play a little bit there. I've heard great things about Ronnie Perkins, even though I haven't seen a lot from him during the preseason games. Maybe I haven't been looking enough. Christian Barmore, I mean, he popped off my screen the last game. I mean, I thought he made play after play and he looks like at the very least a nice, you know, sub rusher in the middle of that defensive line. I'm really bullish, Greg, on this front seven. Yeah,
1: I think that that that's a really good one. And mine was going to be related to that. So I'm going to my number three, I'm going to zag a little bit um, to, to avoid being repetitive. And I'm going to say in it, yeah, I'm going to something you said sort of keyed it. Uh, I'm going to say this year's draft class is something that I feel good about and not, you know, I, I'm not one of these people that goes overboard and I'm not telling you that they're going in the hall of fame. And, (laughs) but look, you know, I've been very critical, I think very fairly of their drafts in recent years. And, you know, it only, it's only fair for me to point out that I think they did a really good job this year. You know, when you talk about, you know, probably the best rookie starting quarterback in the league, I think he will. I mean, Zach Wilson is the, is the best in my opinion. But in terms of what they actually do this season, I think Mac is going to win out over everybody. Um, If anybody has seen San Francisco's film, Trey Lance is not ready to play anytime soon. I agree. If the guy throws at a hundred miles an hour, guys can't catch the ball. They deflect all over the place. Like, you know, any, any delusions of, you know, and I even heard from people on Twitter being like, oh yeah, well, they're going to release Jimmy G and go with Trey Lance and the Patriots are going to sign him." I'm like, No, they're really not. Trey Lance is not good right now at quarterback. Uh, He'll be lucky to get package deals. Um, So I think, you know, between Mac Jones, I think Barmore, look, I don't know what the guy's going to be for his career, but at least in the short term for this year, I think he's going to be one of their best rookie defensive linemen ever. Um, And that's pretty high praise considering some of the guys that they've had around here. I mean, look, Richard Seymour is Richard Seymour. If you're not watching the video, my face was like, "Oh, really?" Ooh. Yeah. Well, look, I'm not saying he. It, Richard Seymour is just different. I'm just talking about like an interior guy. Yeah. You know, Vince Wilfork was really good, but he was a role player as a rookie. Christian Barmore looks like he's going to be no role player for a really good defense, and and so I think he's in that conversation. Stevenson, whenever he gets past this thumb thing, he's probably going to be the backup running back, and we probably get goal line carries. And I think Ronnie Perkins. But fourth, and he is off, like you said, he is off to a little bit of a slower start. Um, he's had some nicks and bruises here. Uh, I think he's going to displace a guy like Chase Winovich. And, you know, to do that in your first, what, that first four picks? For for the Patriots who never play any rookies ever, that's saying a lot. So, yeah. yes, I've, I've criticized them in the past. I'm not taking any of that back. It doesn't change anything. I've been fair about that. I've been accurate about that. And I think I'm being fair here, saying that I really like this rookie class. All right, quickly, three things that we're worried about. You start with number one, Greg. Uh, Jalen Mills. And I, I, oh, you're wow. probably going to say the same thing. I mean, it's just – and he, he cro- cropped up on the injury report today with an ankle. Like, you know, yeah. is it is his ankle green too, like his hair? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that works. Um, uh, But, yeah, he uh, Jalen Mills.
0: If he's playing outside corner, which he is right now, I'm going to have a green face. Because I'm gonna be sick to my stomach watching. That's him. gonna be the color of your vomit when you. Yeah. Like... Oh, I just puked up the Green Goblin playing on the outside again. Yeah, defensive <laughs> backs. Defensive backs without Gilmore was my number one. So uh, I'll jump to something else. A, a true legitimate wide receiver one, which we've talked about from really the off season. And I understand tight ends, tight ends. I get it. I do. Yeah. But I, I would have loved to see them add a legit number one receiver. I don't know what Nelson Aguilar is going to do. I I don't know if they have covered him up to like keep him until, you know, keep him as like almost a secret until week one, or he just wasn't able to get out there and and do much at all in the preseason. I heard some great reports about him early in camp, not so much late in camp. So I I think a, a legitimate wide receiver one would have been fantastic for this team. And I don't think they have one.
1: Yeah, and I I think that's a good one. I their route running has been both of them has been a little bit iffy in the preseason. Now that I've been able to watch um especially Bourne, and Bourne is such a ridiculous athlete that I think I think Mac Jones is going to give him the Ocho Cinco treatment like Carson Palmer did, which is basically I'm not sure that guy knows where he's going, but he's going to be open. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to stare him down and I'm going to throw it. I don't yeah. think it's going to get that bad. Um but I do think that Kendrick Bourne has a lot. So far, has had a lot of mental errors. This even went on in practice, where it's just like, Kendrick, what are you doing? These guys are in two shell. You're supposed to do this. Why aren't you doing this? That stuff went on in practice. Uh, it's gone on in the games. I worry a little bit. But the guy's such a phenomenal athlete. I think he's going to make plays. Agalor, like you said, I think he's a complete unknown. He could be great. He could be terrible. Nobody knows because we've barely seen him this summer. Uh, every other practice, it was something he was leaving with. Uh, so. He's like wearing the cloak of invisibility.
0: I, I don't yeah. know. I have no idea what the hell's going on.
1: I gotta say, by the way, if we, the other day was the first time I've spoken to him. Um, you know, via Zoom. You know, very intelligent, very nice young man. Answered somewhat answered questions. Uh, he didn't. Some of them he weren't. He wasn't cooperative on, but he did say. He did admit when I asked him about how he's doing with the playbook and I had to ask questions a couple different ways because he would bat him away. And but I did get to get him to comment on the the playbook and how he's doing. And he said, you're right. It's not easy. It's not easy for anybody. But, you know, we'll keep working at it. So uh, so that's a good one. Number two for me is related to that is Hunter Henry, another cloak of invisibility guy. I don't know. He. He, I could tell you from the glimpses that we had in practice, and that was a glorious like three days of Hunter Henry um, during the summer. He was great in the red zone. He 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 jumped a lot better than I thought he would in the red zone, and he's a little slow and plotting coming off the ball between the twenties. That's sort of the scouting report on him. If he's just a red zone hero, sign me up. Um, but for this offense to go, like you said, related to the wide receiver thing, I think they need both tight ends and they need them to work. Well, you have anything else you're worried oh, about? The, the other thing is God, I think we talked about it. God chow and the run defense. Um Run defense was not great in the preseason. And he, he, he had a tough time two gapping in the middle of that line that can't continue. If it does, they're going to get run over like they did. Miami's a good test. Not a very good, uh, not a very good offensive line, uh, but this is a team that really ran well against the Patri-
0: Patriots last year. So we'll see where they are. Well, he, he better be good because I was squawking about the front seven, and they yep. better not be that. Bad. another one, quick one, Quinn Quinn Nordin. I'm a little uh a little iffy on. I, I yep. I, mean, I think better. Nick Folk. It's got
1: to be Folk opening week, doesn't it? They're not gonna go with the rookie. They're gonna call him up. Him and Hoyer are gonna get called
0: up, and I I, I, hope, I hope, that. hope
1: that Folk's the kicker, but we'll see.
0: He's just like, he he is a heart attack waiting to happen. Uh, I'll tell you, I almost had a heart attack today because I was sitting in my living room and Kelly says, oh, we got mail for you. And I said, I said to her right away, I said, that's got to be my Legends stuff. That's got to be my Legends stuff. And and if you don't know what legends is, it's a premium athletic apparel company led by Willie McGinnis and Greg, uh, you know, I'm not kidding you. This is no BS. I fell in love with it. They've got a hoodie, and I didn't bring it into the uh, man cave that I do the podcast from. But they've got the—I got a gray hoodie, and the pocket is not huge, which I like in the hoodie, and it's also kind of shaped differently at the bottom of it, and it's—it's it's really. Kelly said that it's, like, you know, it's really soft to the touch. I mean, it, I also got these shorts, and the shorts—they look like almost training shorts. They have like the mesh in an extra mm-hmm. layer, and they also have like little, you know, openings in the back. Kind of like little holes in in the fabric to almost let your uh, ass breathe a little bit, which is nice. And uh, I also got a blue shirt that's really nice. It, It looks like it's a great material where, like, you know, if you're sweating or, you know, if it's raining outside, it can just kind of fall off of you. First time. First time I've ever seen Legends Apparel. And I'm telling you, it looks different. It feels different. And I can't wait to wear it. And I'm not joking at all. This is not oh me trying to push it. I don't even. I have no copy points. I'm, this is this is nothing here, folks. This is my copy. I'm putting on the video of our rundown for the uh, podcast. I that's just from what I saw today and felt. So you could tell me about legends and what you know about them, but I know the product. It's pretty sweet. Our guy Willie McGinnis. It, it is. I, I
1: got my. I got mine actually right before the podcast, so I haven't had a chance to try it on, but it looks. It looks pretty sharp, especially if you're one of these, um, you know, athletic guys who goes to the gym, likes yep. to jog. I mean, that's what it's built for, really, that it looks like. And, and uh, my my son was, like, ready to snake some of my stuff. He was like, <laughs> let me get some of that stuff. He's, I mean, we're talking about a teenage boy in high school who's like, that's pretty – it's too good looking for you, Dad. But, you know, I'll I'll take it off you. But, uh, yeah, that you know, Willie McGinnis, along with guys like Steve Nash, Baker Mayfield, Matt Barnes. Huh. Former Celtic Marcus Morris and even entertainment icon uh, Quavo are just a few of the names building legends into the hottest apparel brand in the market. I Go on their website. I went on there before we came. It shows you all the stuff, the T-shirt, the hoodie, the shorts, all that stuff. It's really high quality. That's for sure. One of the things that stood out when I looked over the stuff, the hoodie, like you said, Dude, that thing is going to be awesome when I get into the hockey rinks pretty soon. And also, you know, uh, high school soccer, my daughter's playing. I got to go out there. That thing is going to look great. Visit legends.com today to shop the latest trends in athletic apparel from shorts, tees, hoodies, and more. And save 20% when you use our code PATS20. That's legends.com, promo code PATS20. Offer ends October 10th. So make sure 20%. I mean... That's a great deal. So make sure you get over there. Premium athletic apparel built for the modern athlete. Streetwear-inspired design for a style and comfort you'll want to wear all day. Featuring limited edition drops nearly every week to keep your look fresh. And, Nick, you know I need to keep looking fresh. So Of course. Of I'm course. very excited about
0: that. I'll tell you, the hoodie is a banger. The hoodie is a banger. Yes. All right. Let's quickly run through some things here as far as predictions for the season. Season predictions. Record, Greg. What do you got, the Patriots? what do you got what do you got
1: i have them 11 and 6 for a record and i feel pretty good about i think 10 and 7 is the floor i think 12 and 5 is you know i think the ceiling for them uh so i'm gonna go with 11 and 6
0: i mean i know my eyes are brown but it's not because i'm full of bleep Uh, i could pull up this right on the uh (laughs) camera I got 11 and six and I feel the same exact way as you. I think 10 wins to me is the floor for this team. If everything goes right, I think they're 12 and five AFC East. Let's start from the bottom to the top started from the bottom. Now we're here. Let's start from uh number four to number one, AFC East, Greg, what do you got? Jets dolphins. This
1: one was tough. <laughs> Pat's bills. Uh, I think it's going to be really close. I think I might come down to a tiebreaker. I think they split their regular season games and it comes down to a tiebreaker. I don't, I do think the Patriots have a pretty good chance of winning the AFC East, but I'm not ready to go there yet. The bills have too much stuff coming back. Um, too much consistency there. Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator was gone and Josh Allen was on an Island. I'd give you a better chance. I do think my boy, Josh Allen is going to come back to earth this year. And, uh, But not that much. I don't think he's going to be a complete disaster. So I'm going with the Bills, even though I want to say the Patriots.
0: Yeah, this is not exciting. I've got Jets, Dolphins, Pats, Bills, same as you. Uh, Playoff finish. (laughs) Is this, like we said, the floor is 10, the ceiling is 12. We both think that they're likely a playoff team. Is this a team that could make a deep run, Greg?
1: I do think that they can because I think they're gonna f- they're gonna follow the script somewhat of the Bucks last year, who were seven and five, sort of floundering. The offense wasn't clicking. New, new quarterback. Uh, they had to get on the same page. They did finally clicked. Eight wins. They're the Super Bowl champs. Uh, do I think that's gonna happen? No. Uh, but do I think you know? Do I think? I think they win a playoff game, and in the wild card round. I, I think they lose in the divisional round, but of course that depends on matchups. I, I can't see a scenario. I still think KC will get the buy. Um, I hope they don't lose to Buffalo in a rematch. Uh, Cleveland, could Cleveland put them down? Yeah. But you know, road game in Cleveland possibly, but I, I had them winning a playoff game and I, I, to me, 11, you say 11 and six playoff win competitive in the divisional round. That's to me, that's a pretty good campaign for this group coming together. And you you, like I've said, I always when you add a bunch of pieces, I always look for the second years when you get the huge return. The first year is tough. That's a pretty good first year.
0: We're sharing a brain. The reason why I (laughs) laughed. The reason why I laughed while you broke that down, I, I swear to you, this is what I have typed up. Playoff finish dash matchup dependent. Sneaks a win in. I mean, that's pretty much what you. I mean, we are same record, same division finish, same playoff projection. If we keep doing this, I don't know what to say. All right, let's get out get, of my skull, cows. Let's get out of mine. Let's get to uh. Let's <laughs> get the team MVP. If we both agree on this, I might just walk out of the room. Team, yeah. MVP. There's no way. There's no way. <laughs> People heard
1: this on felger Mass. I get to actually complete my statement and give my reason. I think. And look not the legit winner, but if you, if you really held it to what player was the most valuable player for the Patriots this year, I think it's going to be Trent Brown because I do not have faith that Isaiah wins going to stay healthy. Uh, At the time, Trent Brown is going to be a pro bowl, all pro right tackle. He's going to go to left tackle and play great. Keep a rookie quarterback upright so that they can still win 11 games and win a playoff game. I'm sorry, but unless Mac Jones is a superhero or Damian Harris is or Nelson Aguilar catches 100 balls or what have you, to me, that's the most valuable player on this team. And so I'm going with Trent Brown, who now all of a sudden, like I'm the charter member of his fan club. I don't know how that happened, but (laughs) shit gets real, you know, after a month in training camp.
0: I was going to say. If you if we go back, if we re- if we rewind the tape, if we rewind the podcast tape from yep. like two months Most, ago, it yeah. was like, oh my god, let's hope that Trent Brown shows up in shape. Let's just hope yep. that he's not like rolling out there. And and here we are mm-hmm. now being the team MVP uh, outside the box. I'll say this one quickly: it is not Trent Brown. Thank God. Uh, I have Janu Smith just because when I look at this offense, as I mentioned. Yeah. The biggest weakness to me is wide receiver one. And if Aguilar is not doing much of anything, and I don't know if he's going to again, cloak of invisibility, not sure if it was on purpose or not, but you need somebody explosive. You need somebody to break open some plays. And I think John who could be that steady force offensively. I've heard some whispers that uh, they've been getting him the football in in different creative ways. I know uh, more- that would be true. None of the reporters can get into details because that those are the rules. Them's the breaks, but I've been told he's gotten the football in, in creative different ways. Uh, I was told that you know you don't see tight ends get the football in some of these ways that he has been. So <laughs> I am I am interested. My 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 interest is peaked. I'm in You mean like the back of a Volvo?
1: Volkswagen what was that was that a movie or is it like yeah "Yeah, we made out in an uncomfortable place and they're like back of a Volkswagen so he's getting getting the football in
0: uncomfortable places all right so I got John uh Dolphins uh quick chatter about the Dolphins what do you think about uh what the Patriots will see on Sunday 425 kick
1: yeah, I think the most useless thing is over-analysis in week one because we have no idea what we're going to see. Dude, you can't right. judge anything out the preseason. Don't give me the film. Don't do any of that stuff. I mean, look, Austin Jackson, their left tackles in COVID-19. Shaheen's in COVID-19, one of their tight ends. Uh, they're starting a, a rookie at left guard. I think Eichenberger's pretty good, you know, second rounder. But, man, that's a t- against this front, that's a tall tat With Tua, who's not exactly Mr. Uh, – you know, Mr. Stoic, you know, but in the pocket and going to sit back there and confident in his reads and his, and his blocking. So look, they have a ton of talent. I think this is going to be a team that's going to be better in the second half of the season. I think that they have a ridiculous deep uh, secondary. Um, yeah, that I think is going to be pretty good. I mean, Jason McCordy's playing free safety though. So look for them to target him on a few things. Um, but you know, Rose pretty good. Justin Coleman is back former Patriot. I loved him. Here. I loved him in Detroit, uh, Byron Jones, Xavier Howard. But to me, I think one of the big storylines in this game, Nick, is the Dolphins, because Brian Flores can't make a decision on who he wants to be offensive coordinator for more than six seconds, yep. is now going – with, yeah, this works all the time. The double offensive coordinator <laughs> with George God, my guy, George Godsey, who I, I spent a lot of time with when I did the Houston Texans game plan story, was Bill O'Brien's offense coordinator. Love Godsey. He's very smart. I could see him as a future OC here. Uh, and Eric Studsville, who is mostly, I think, a run game. He was an interim coach with the Broncos, I think, maybe after McDaniels got fired. Um, but, anyways, yeah. The double coordinator works wonders. Like, you know, after firing people left and right, now he's going with the double guys. That's going to be an issue. And Josh Boyer against Josh McDaniels, the uh, you know, Boyer is the Dolphins defense corner, former secondary coach here with the Patriots. Um, That is a intellectual mismatch if I've ever seen one. And now that Josh McDaniels actually has tools, I expect him to
0: win the day that way. So I like the Patriots pretty good in this game the good uh, co-OC, the, the double mint gum approach to their offensive coordinator. Uh, I, I pretty much everything you just said. I, I just yeah. I agree with everything you said. I think Tua is a big question mark. I like them coming out of Alabama. I don't like how they handled him last year. There seems to be some unknown about him. It, it just doesn't seem to me that Brian Flores is fully behind him. We hear the Deshaun Watson stuff. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what Tua looks like. But I, I think the Patriots are the better team. So I've got them winning, and, and I do. Like you said, I, I think they could win by at least a touchdown. So I like them giving the points on Sunday if you want to check our guys at uh, BetUS.com. Let's get to the uh, Boston journal.com member question of the day. BSJ, $39.99 on the annual plan. You get all the top-notch analysis. You know the spiel by now. Great stuff from Greg with the Patriots. You take a look at the, the coaches film. I mean, what he did this week. I know I'm blowing smoke up my guy's ass, but I mean, what he did this week about the – decision between Mac and Cam. I've been reading those. I've been watching the videos. Uh, The volume could be a little bit higher on those videos, but other than that, just great (laughs) stuff. If you want to see, you know, film breakdown and why this quarterback decision was made, you only get that at bostonsportsjournal.com. Greg's the only guy that's doing that, that in depth. Great stuff from him. Let's get to the question of the day. This is from uh, Lee. Any thoughts on Ninkovich's comments about Mac teaching Cam the playbook have you heard anything similar from any of your sources?
1: No, but look, Nick, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, just look at their two backgrounds. I mean, basically, you know, Cam Newton from where he was from, you know, at Auburn, you know, whether it was, you know, when he was first at Florida with Urban Meyer and then he was at Auburn with Malzahn, Malzahn's always had one of the most basic offenses ever. And then he comes to Carolina and they basically make it work for Cam. They basically cater the offense around him. So, you know, that is basically like, you know, he's just talking regular English. Now he goes to the Patriots and they are speaking basically Mandarin in terms of what they do with their offense in terms of, you know, before in, in Auburn and also Carolina, to a great extent, it's look, we're going to run the plays that we run you might have to do read option here and there, but that's, you know, fake it, read the linebacker. If he comes in, you throw here. If he does that, it's a paint by numbers offense with the Patriots. It's, it's Mandarin. You got to know, all right, what's the defense going to show? How much film study have you done? What does this mean? Where are they going to go? How about we check? Where's the mic? There's all sorts of different things. So cam came from a different language to here. Mac Jones. Has come from the same language, almost back to high school. He played for one of the most demanding high school coaches yep. in, in the state of Florida. Legendary guy who was a hard ass. Um, you know who coached Mac to be cerebral. Um, then he goes to Alabama, where he's with Brian Dayball, who's coaching Josh Allen right now. He's with Steve Sarkeesian, who is coaching Texas right now, and Nick Saban. And he's with those guys. So he's got pro style offense coaching the whole time. Then he comes to the Patriots. It's the same thing. So he's gone from English to English, you know, a little bit of a dialect here and a little bit of an accent, but you know, same sort of language. So it, that Mac Jones was helping Cam Newton, understand how to operate the tools in this offense it's not surprising to me it's not an indictment on cam newton it's more about his background uh and i think that goes in line with a lot of things and it's just like look we don't need to hear anything from sources the film is the film i illustrated to you before the difference between mac and cam the difference is clear mac's the guy and here we go
0: yeah and you look at alabama I mean, you mentioned it a little bit, but just think about the links between the Patriots and Alabama, right? Mm -hmm. Dayball, New England. When Sarkeesian goes to Texas, who does Saban go out and get? Bill O'Brien. So, I mean, it's a very similar system and approach, and as you said, language. So I actually do believe what Nikovich had to say. I do wonder who told him that and whether or not they wanted him to go public with it, but that's another story for another day. His name is Greg Bedard. My name is Nick Cattles. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, brought to you by our friends at betus.com. Get those bets in, especially before Sunday. Lots of stuff, lots of stuff to bet on. And also, while you're sitting down and you're checking out betus.com and you're placing your bets, hopefully you're sitting in your nice Legends shorts with that banger of a hoodie on at our guy, uh, Willie McGinnis Company Legends. Check out their premium athletic apparel. Uh, we'll be back. Again this week, we'll have an NFL preview. And then, of course, next week, we'll get into that regular rhythm, post-game reaction, and then a preview of the next week's games. Greg, great stuff as always. Everybody will talk to you, I mean, very soon. Very, very soon.